Beltone Hearing Aid Center presents The Drive. Ready, fight! The Drive. Elmore deep, left side, three, it's good! From 30 feet, John Elmore! The Drive with Paul Swan. Welcome into the Thursday, September 20th edition. Your drive begins now here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center coming up later on this hour. Uh, we're going to talk a little Marshall and NC State with Johnny Evans. He is part of the NC State Wolfpack Radio Network, and he'll be with us later on this hour as well. As Mitch Jacobs, Marshall's volleyball coach. Big Conference USA matchup tomorrow at the Cam Henderson Center. So Mitch is going to join us to tell us a little bit more about that and why you should come out and support the herd. But today's the day. It's time to figure out what you did right and what you did wrong with your fantasy football team. So think of this as fantasy football therapy because right now the doctor is in. Joe Bartles with us. One of the experts at rotowire.com also works for Rotowire magazine, and uh, he's here to help you salvage not only uh, your sanity, but uh, maybe your football season. And Joe's with us now. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. I like that intro, Rotowire therapy. That's that's fantasy football therapy too. That's that's a good one. I I think I can roll with that. That can be a a title of mine in the future. There you go. Use it. Go ahead. Use it all you want. Because really, <laughs> um, at this point. I've seen some walking wounded around my office, and I was walking towards the studio just, I mean, literally 30 seconds before we went on the air, and the Rock PD, he's at his desk, and he's like, oh, look, another one of my players is injured, and so I feel like I'm going to have to give some therapy to these guys because um, they don't know what to do. That's probably the biggest question in the office, so uh, before we get into the meat of everything, what do you do? When you have a team that's the walking wounded, what are your options or your strategies? Well, here's here's the great thing is that while maybe you're 0-2 and maybe your team is injured uh, and maybe your fantasy season is looking bleak, it's not over yet. In fact, I'm in a couple different leagues where I am 0-2, and most of the situations have just been the other team outscored me. It's not that my team has been production, and I've suffered my share fair, fair share of injuries, especially Darius Geis, who is a early second-round pick in a lot of my teams, and you just kind of have to weather the storm. Most likely, every one of the other fantasy owner, uh, I would say teammates, for lack of a better word, well, competitors, are going to be dealing with some sort of injuries throughout the season, too. You're, you're just getting yours out of the way early. That's how I have to mentally get past myself. Talk about a therapy session here. This is how I kind of have to ease my concerns a little bit. Everyone's going to have them, and really just about adapting and adjusting. No longer can you worry about playing your studs. You have to worry about playing the matchups, and I think that's a bigger a bigger issue overall that maybe some people tend to avoid, especially newer in the fantasy scene. You kind of have to base it off the matchups as opposed to which ones are your stud guys that you draft in the first, second, third round. It's That's how you have to kind of get through, especially when people are hurt. But monitoring the waiver wire, monitoring the status of your players so that, hey, maybe you can pick up a guy uh, like Giovanni Bernard who can start for your team with Joe Mixon's out. That's it's kind of how you have to do things when you have the injuries that you have thus far through two weeks of the fantasy season. Is there a situation where you hang on to a player who's injured, or are you just trying to put together the very best lineup you can at the moment? What's the strategy there? I think it depends. I'll go back to the example I just mentioned, a guy like Joe Mixon, who really did well for the first two weeks of the season. I think a lot of people are projecting him to do well, but not to this extent. He seems to be a feature part of that Bengals offense. And Let's say like a best-case scenario, Bengals are still winning games. They're maybe 4-2, uh, 5-1 when Joe Mixon does return to the field, most likely in that three- to four-week time frame that we've gotten. 
okay, Giovanni Bernard was probably part of the reason they were winning, but not the whole solution. And I think Mixon probably still enters into that conversation as the starting running back. Now, you'd hate to see a scenario where Giovanni Bernard does really well to the point where Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of thing with Buccaneers, where he ends up getting the starting spot. I don't think that happens with a guy like Joe Mixon. But we go pivot to someone like Greg Olson, who now, regrettably, he's going to be probably out for the entire season. So should be making adjustments as it is. But if there's any hope of him coming back, I have to imagine the Panthers will have adjusted and adapted their offense to where if Olsen does return to the field, he's not going to be a huge part of that team. And I think I'd be probably gambling on a different roster spot upside kind of thing instead of holding on to Olsen and having hopes that he might return to top 10 tight end staffs when he does. Joe Bartles with us from rotowire.com, and we're here to help you with your fantasy football squad. Now, NFL season starts back up tonight, so we've got the Jets and the Browns. Big matchup there. Uh, what are you looking at when you see this matchup as far as anybody you're looking at to sit, or if you've definitely got them on your roster, you better make sure you're starting them? I think Tyrod Taylor is an interesting name, especially in deeper leagues and, frankly, in, in QB2 kind of formats where we're forced to play two quarterbacks. Tyrod Taylor's been a serviceable guy. I think in, you know, in a deeper league or, again, two quarterback leagues, he is among the top 20 quarterbacks that you probably are considering starting, but he's on that edge. That Jets defense, it looked great against the Lions, not so great against the Dolphins, and frankly, I wasn't high in the Dolphins overall, so I'm, I'm confused. I don't know what to think of that Jets defense. My gut tells me they're better than what we saw last week in Week 2 against the Dolphins, but probably not as good as what we saw in Week 1 against the Lions. So, in between that ratio, I think Tyrod Taylor is going to struggle to pass the ball and probably not going to be able to run effectively enough where you can guarantee that he's a guy that you're starting. If you're waffling between maybe a Ryan Tannehill or Tyrod Taylor, I think I would lean Tannehill in that direction. So he's kind of a guy that's on the edge for me. I know I said Tyrod's not going to be passing the ball, but I actually think Jarvis Landry is a good PPR option in most leagues. I mean, you drafted him in the third or fourth round for a reason, and I think this kind of matchup is one of those things. Those Thursday night games are really difficult to judge. And I suspect that Tyrod Taylor is going to have to lean on the guy like Jarvis Landry so long as he's able to play, and that's a big if. I think we have to kind of still monitor that. It sounds like a true game-time call. But if he's active, I feel like he's going to get you that 10 to 12 to 14 points. And at that point, I want to have him in my lineup. He's not a lot of an upside play, but you didn't draft Jarvis Landry for upside. I think you drafted Jarvis Landry for solid production, and that's what I expect he'll give you against the Jets so long as he's healthy. Is there anybody out there that you're – looking at maybe, all right, I know they're playing tonight, but I'm going to sit and wait and maybe start someone else on Sunday if I've got them. Anybody like that on the roster on both these teams? Well, on Sunday or tonight? Well, just if if you've got somebody tonight and you're on the fence about them on the Browns roster or the Jets roster, are you sitting anybody in particular? Or are you just, again, going back to the adage, all right, who do you have and what's the matchup? I think Sam Darnold, uh, another guy kind of in that QB2 category, just like Tyrod Taylor, where you might think you want to start him. This is actually a match I'm going to avoid for Darnold. I really want to see how he does on the center stage. I mean, we saw that Monday night performance. He throws that pick six and really comes back and rallies against the Jets. I need to see a bit more. It's weird to say I need a bit more national televised games to really get a sense of how Sam Darnold's going to do. I don't know if this Browns defense is a fantastic matchup for him, and I'm still a little concerned about his skill position guys, particularly at the receiver spot. Quincy Nunez has done great. He's kind of been a little bit of a sleeper PPR candidate. I think he'll do fine against the Browns, and certainly will be underneath routes. I'm not confident in a guy like Terrell Pryor, who had a really good game against the Dolphins last week, but that was kind of in part due to one long catch. So I, it's 
it's kind of hit or miss. I'm, I'm staying away as a whole from my Jets office, unless it's Milo Powell. I think that he'll get plenty of PPR opportunities. Frankly, I expect the Jets to be trailing through large portions of this game. They're going to have to be doing check down throws and, and kind of hurry up offense to get back in the contest. That's If you're projecting game script, that's kind of how I'm going to go. That the Browns are going to get a lead, maybe 10 nothing, maybe 13 nothing, and the Jets are going to have to rally back in the late third quarter or fourth quarter. Joe Bartles with us from rotowire.com, also Rotowire Magazine. So the Browns, the matchup tonight for folks who are in this area, but on Sunday, uh, you know where I'm looking. I'm looking Cincinnati, <laughs> Carolina, A.J. Green. He won the week for a lot of people, right? Is that fair to say? If you had him on your roster, you won the week. Yeah, I mean, that is fair to say. I We were talking about fantasy therapy earlier in this conversation. And I'll be honest, I needed fantasy therapy last Thursday because I went against A.J. Green in five of my seven leagues. And, uh, of course, he got the 24 points, three touchdowns, or whatever it was kind of translating into your fantasy league. But I was frustrated. And I, I tell you what, if there is a person that is going to go off in this Jets-Browns game, it's going to be somebody that's going against my seven lineups. That's just, that's just how it works. It's worked ever since I've been doing fantasy football. And I still rage about that all the time. But I always feel like I'm in a hole in Thursday games. If that happens to your lineup, if you happen to go against an A.J. Green uh, in your fantasy league, just know I was able to win four of those five leagues with Green. So there, there is hope. Like you, It looks bleak, especially when you have a situation, but there is hope. That being said, yeah, I think A.J. Green probably won a lot of leagues for or a lot of weeks for a lot of people uh, last week, and I expect, you know, I, the Panthers' defense is different. The Panthers' defense is different than the Ravens. I think they're going to get more pressure on Andy Dalton. I just don't know if you could really rely on him as your starting quarterback this week, where you probably could have got by in the last two weeks. And A.J. Green's production at this point is incredibly touchdown dependent. You can't get three touchdowns. I don't think you can expect him to get eight touchdowns this week against the Panthers. You're not, you're not sitting A.J. Green. I think you drafted him highly for a reason. But just temper your expectations when it comes to his point total, because I just don't know if he's really providing that production this week against a pretty gamey Panthers defense. Okay, but I've got the Bengals beating Carolina, so you're telling me maybe I need to dial back my expectations a little bit? I, see, I don't, I don't know. I, I've never been a huge fan of Cam Newton. I don't think he's a fantastic quarterback. He's a fantastic athlete, certainly. But the quarterback part of him, I'm not entirely positive. And I haven't really been enamored with that whole offense. As long as the Bengals can shut down Christian McCaffrey, and that's just kind of a big if. He's really become not just a running back, but a weapon overall on that offense. If they can shut down Christian McCaffrey, I think the Bengals have a shot to win because they're sneakily a pretty well-rounded roster. I just don't know if I'm taking a lot of their guys and expecting fancy goodness from them. I, that's probably the better way I'd say it. Okay, so if you've got A.J. Green, you're fine. If you've got a running back need, Geo might be your guy to go to as far as the Bengals are concerned. But you're not mining the Bengals for uh, offensive firepower. No, I mean, you could have kind of relied on Tyler Boyd or even Tyler Eifert. Uh, as far as kind of deeper options. And I, I don't know if I feel confident using either one. John Ross is a guy that really is a hit or miss. I always call him the best ball player because if you're drafting him in a best ball league, you're getting him at what will probably be his best potential and you're avoiding all the games where he'll get two catches for five yards or whatever it is. So he's, he's a guy that I wouldn't feel confident using in, in a standard setting. Maybe in DFS or Daily Fantasy, it's a bit better of an option if you're kind of going for a low play at wide receiver. But I'm staying away from that Bengals offense. Giovanni Bernard's interesting. He was probably one of the highest fantasy pickups this week with that Joe Mixon injury. And if you picked him up, I suspect you probably needed him. Therefore, you probably need to start him. 
but I don't think you should really be expecting you know 20, 25 points at fantasy. I think it's probably more of a 10 to 15 game where he gets, let's say, four catches and maybe 80 total yards. It's kind of expecting. That's what I'm looking for from Giovanni Bernard this week. Joe Bartles joining us, RotoWire.com and RotoWire Magazine. So before we let you go, Joe, um, what are some of the uh, moves this week that the fantasy football owners should be taking? And after that, what should they be avoiding? Well, I'm really interested to see how that Rams-Chargers game plays out as a whole. I think that's going to be one of the best games of the entire Week 3 slate. I'm a little concerned that maybe we're not going to see Philip Rivers do as well. I mean, this is a guy that is been a top three quarterback if not for a guy named ryan fitzpatrick that's kind of been mucking up the waters and obviously nobody in the fantasy sphere could have predicted that but rivers we knew was going to do really well and he had some great matchups certainly the bills last week was a fantastic matchup i don't know if i feel confident this week in philip rivers against that rams defense that really seems to be uh well i think gelling and i wouldn't have expected that so soon but through two weeks they've really been one of the better ones overall if you took Philip Rivers, you probably had a couple of options around him. You might even went with two quarterbacks in that system if you chose Philip Rivers in your fantasy league. I would go with that second quarterback, depending on which matchup it is. I just think Rivers is going to struggle. Don't bench Melvin Gordon, though. It depends. The injury he was able to practice, he didn't miss much time against the Bills last week. He got taken out more because they were blowing them out as opposed to anything serious with that neck injury. He'll be fine. And really, the Rams actually allow a lot of stuff up the middle and short throws. I think Gordon will be able to get that first-round production that you've been looking for him, the reason you took him in the first round. But uh, most of the people in that matchup, I'm staying away from the Chargers side. That being said, I love Brandon Cooks. I think that he's going to be able to get at least one touchdown. That feels like almost a certainty to me. And Todd Gurley is going to be, again, one of the top running backs this week. That Chargers defense is getting better with Derwin James really helping out, but they're not great yet, and I think they're going to be exploited on the ground and kind of through that intermediate range. So that's that's a game I'm excited to watch, and, I think there's going to be a lot of fantasy production from certain players in the Rams and probably not as many people as you want from the Chargers. Joe Bardo, our guest, rotowire.com, also Rotowire Magazine. And uh, a thank you to our listeners who uh, tune in. Rotowire's got a great deal for you. A free day, free 10 day trial. It's at rotowire.com forward slash free. And uh, if you like the service, uh, then you're invited to keep the service. It's really affordable. If you want to dominate your fantasy football league, Roto-Wire is where you need to go. Joe, it's been fun as always. Um, let's hope that my Bengals, uh, from a non-fantasy standpoint, get more points and beat Carolina, and then I'm in a good mood next week when we're talking about the Bengals in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the ideal goal there, and that's what the fantasy therapy is all about, trying to build up your Bengals and build up everyone else's fantasy teams that might be struggling for the first two weeks. Yeah, Cincinnati, I think, has become my fantasy team just by default because it's a fantasy when they win. <laughs> That's that's where I'm at right now. So we will do this. Way to look at it. Yeah, we will do this again next week. Joe, thanks for checking in with us, and we'll uh, we'll have fun this weekend and come back next week and do it again. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. That's Joe Bartle from RotoWire.com. Also, he works for RotoWire magazine. When we come back from break, Johnny Evans is going to join us. He's an analyst for the NC State Wolfpack Radio Network. We're going to get his thoughts on the upcoming matchup between Marshall and NC State. Later on, Mitch Jacobs joins us from Marshall Volleyball. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 
We're presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center. Welcome back to The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Quick reminder, coming up after the show, you get a chance to talk to the athletic director of Marshall University. It's Inside Herd Athletics with Mike Hamrick. It follows The Drive right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're getting closer to game day on Saturday. I'm sure Herd fans and Wolfpack fans are chomping at the bit to get a game in and Hopefully, it's going to be everything it's uh, built up to be with two weeks of preparation, it almost feels like. Johnny Evans is joining us on the program now. He's going to give us a scoop on the Wolfpack. He is part of the NC State Wolfpack Radio Network. And I hate these off weeks. Um, I mean, two weeks without a herd or NC State Wolfpack game. I'm sure a lot of people are just beside themselves right now, trying to rationalize why there wasn't football last weekend, even though we know why. Yeah, well... Uh, if you guys were, were down here, I think it's easy for everybody to see why uh, the, the games weren't played. But, but I, I'm with you, Paul. Two weeks is too long between college football games. And, uh, you know, it's going to be good for, uh, I think, everybody uh, to get back on the field this weekend. Well, I think the right decision was made both with the Marshall game and the uh, NC State-West Virginia game. But with that said, um, it's it's nice to know that all right, this was a, a precautionary measure. The right steps were were made so we can now just have fun and talk football. And I think we're at that point again where we can just look ahead, talk football. And I know it was on, on the Wolfpack because they didn't really get started pre- preparing for this game until Sunday because some of these kids were in shelters, right, sheltering in place or with family. So while it really wasn't affecting Marshall in Huntington, it was definitely affecting you. Well, I think probably the, the biggest issue was that uh, the, a lot of these young men's families lived right in the path of the hurricane. And so even though the, most of the young men weren't back at their homes, they were here in Raleigh and, and relatively safe. We got a, a pretty mild uh, rain, uh, relatively speaking. But those young men that, that lived, their families that lived down along the coast further east, of Raleigh in North Carolina and then on down into South Carolina and even into Georgia. They're concerned about their family. I'm sure they're, they're, on the, they're on the phone with their moms and dads, their aunts and uncles, their brothers and sisters. Uh, probably some lost uh, uh, some Internet contact with them. There's that, that waiting period. So there's, there's some stress involved. And, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. Let's, let's get, back, get back to normal and let's uh, start playing football. This is going to be a fun one. Lots of connections, of course. You know, we talked about this last year, and I'm sure it'll come up again. That you know, Doc Holliday worked at NC State, and his uh, remarks a few days ago during his press conference uh, has a, uh, a a great deal of fondness and respect for the program. And it's I'm I'm sure it was a really good time for him in that point of his career. Yeah, and I think the respect is mutual. Uh, the I think that the uh, average uh, football, NC State football fan, remember those years uh, in, in a good light. The, the Philip Rivers years are, are sort of talked about with reverence around the Wolfpack faithful. And uh, so, uh, you know, Doc Holliday is somebody that uh, is not looked at as an enemy. He's looked at as somebody to be respected. Uh, and uh, we know that the that Marshall team is going to be well coached because of Doc Holliday. 
Yeah, I think one connection that maybe doesn't get talked about as much is uh, George Barlow, who was a uh, safety for Marshall, uh, late 80s uh, and 1990, um, was working with Jim Donnan at Marshall in 91. So he's now at NC State. And again, uh, there are those connections. It feels like these two programs should be playing each other more because we've got so many natural connections with each other. Yeah, it's, uh, and I think that just adds to it. You know, uh, I'm sure it's not that, that it's not going to make a big impact in the game uh, per se, but I can tell you that those position players under Coach Barlow, uh, they know that uh, his connection there, and they're going to want to show out uh, for him. So, um, you know, even though um, it's not going to be that big of a deal, it certainly uh, has some minimal impact. It should be fun nonetheless. And uh, I think Hurt fans are going to be in for a treat because if you like passing, NC State's going to bring a whole lot of that into Jones C. Edwards on Saturday with Ryan Finley. Um, Coach Holiday said he's probably one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the country. Definitely thought he's probably the best quarterback in the ACC. Right now he's sitting at 679 yards, four touchdowns. He's really putting the ball in the air a lot. He does, and, and he's also the most accurate quarterback that uh, we've seen around these parts since Phillip Rivers, and there's been some pretty good ones in between Phillip and, uh, and Ryan. So uh, that's, saying, that's saying a lot. He, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He's a very cool customer in the pocket. Uh, that's why I think he's going to translate uh, on Sundays uh, next year. And um, he uh, uh, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, uh, very, very few uh, interceptions. And, you know, usually in most games, uh, a quarterback will have two or three balls that should have been intercepted that weren't just because the defensive backs aren't noted for having great hands. But uh, with Finley, very seldom do you look back after a game and, and, you, and you say uh, he didn't have any interceptions and he didn't have any near interceptions. There was nothing close to being a, a bad throw or a bad decision. He did have one of those. He did, as I speak about that, he did have one uh, poor throw, poor decision, and he had one his uh, only interception in the, in the two games they played last week or two, two weeks ago. But, uh, so yeah, the, the, the fans there in Marshall are going to see a really good, polished college quarterback that um, he's not going to wow you with his athleticism. He will run. He'll keep the ball three or four times a game, and he'll pick up anywhere from five to 15 yards. He's very strategic and smart when it comes to running. But he's not going to wow you with his athleticism. If he wows you, he's going to wow you with his accuracy, being able to stand in the pocket, and deliver the ball where the ball's supposed to be delivered. I'm sure a lot of that's just cerebral, the fact that he, he seems to be very patient finding the right man to get the ball to as well. He, he is very a cerebral quarterback, but he's got some great weapons out there. Uh, you know, it starts with uh, Kelvin Harmon. He's a physical player. He's, uh, you know, we, we all, we commentators, I bet, I bet three or four times a game I'll talk about a, a 50-50 ball, and your, your listeners, I'm sure, know what that means. That means the quarterback throws it up, and the, the receiver and the defensive back each have an equal chance at it. And we've, all, we've come to understand that with Kelvin Harmon, the statistics are more like 80-20. When you throw it up and both seem to have an equal chance, that he's going to come down with them usually 80% of the time, and the DB, you know, will make a play 20% of the time. So that's why Ryan will, he'll, you know, it'll look like a, Man, he's just throwing that up for grabs. 
he really isn't. He's throwing it to a player that he's so confident and and has has a track record of coming down with ball because of his physical uh, size, his ability to uh, the strong hands and, and fighting for the ball, the want to I call it. So it starts with him. Uh, Stephon Lewis, a senior leader, uh, is going to have a strong senior year. Jacoby Myers, he was the the leading receiver in the first game with I think 13, 14 catches. His his uh, best game of his career here, his first game of his senior year. And then there's a young man that everybody's going to enjoy. He's a punt returner. He's a redshirt freshman. He's also a backup receiver, but he was the leading receiver the second week of the game of the season. And his name is Thayer Thomas. And he's a uh, you know he's in, he's the classic inside slot receiver. A lot of speed, a lot of quickness, great hands. Uh, but he's not like your wide receiver. He's the inside guy that can get open and make a lot of good uh, first down um, catches. Now, I'm sure the coaching staff at Marshall are going to have their hands full with that air attack, but you and I know there's also a ground component to NC State, and I know Marshall should be quite aware of Mr. Galfsby, and if they're not, they just forgot because uh, he's definitely one to watch out for. He was pretty good last year as well. He, he's been solid. He's always been in a backup role. He's either been the number two man or the number three man in the rotation. He's never been the man until this year. Uh, but frankly, uh, that is, if, you, if there's going to be a weak spot so far in the two games that NC State has played, it would be in the running game production. Uh, just barely, I think, averaging about 100 per game. I think they came in. Uh, Coach Doran, through his tenure here, has really prided himself in great balance between the run and the pass, not only in just the number of runs and passes, but also in the production. And up to, up to this point in this season, the run game production just has not been there. And uh, that's uh, been a disappointment, and I'm sure that's where a lot of work was put in uh, over these, uh, these two weeks since their last football game. On the flip side, you got a different situation. You've got a veteran and Finley leading the Wolf Pack, but you've got a redshirt freshman, Isaiah Green, already. He's got 550 yards and five touchdowns in, in two games. And I'm sure part of that is because he's got a wide receiver like Tyree Brady. And I'm sure you remember Tyree last year. Uh, right now he's sitting really pretty with uh, over 180 yards, three touchdowns. And uh, you, know, um, you know that's saying something when – a guy like Tyree Brady can go in to a stadium and set a, a record for basically. I mean that. To be fair, I think NC State's got a, a nice history of guys who have uh, been wide receivers. So uh, last year, Marshall definitely found a way to get Tyree Brady the ball. Well, he's a great athlete. Uh, he can. Uh, he's proven he can play at the highest of levels. And um, once again, I, I don't sit in on the game plans with the coaches. I don't have privy to that kind of information. But I can promise you that Brady has been a target, has been a lot of uh, the subject of a lot of discussion and a lot of strategy on how to keep him from uh, winning the game. Uh, you know, that's, 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 the, that's the mandate. Keep him from making the big plays that uh, gives Marshall, gets Marshall over the top. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's some danger whenever you, you focus on one player. But I, I think he's that good, and I think that uh, NC State's defensive coaches would be correct 
and putting a major focus on him. I'm sure it's got a sting because that's a Carter-Finley Stadium record, uh, his performance last year. 248 yards, 11 catches, and there's been some serious talent play at Carter-Finley Stadium over the years, so that's something that Tyree should be really proud of. I know records don't mean anything. You want wins, but still, that's that's saying something to go in and do that last year. Oh, there's been uh, – dude, this is my 34th season of broadcasting for NC State football. I played there for four years prior to that. So I've seen a lot of football games. I've seen a lot of players, a lot of great receivers and great quarterbacks and passing performances. But when you talk about the very best ever, at least statistically, the very best game that anybody's ever had, and that's all those great, you know, NC State receivers, Torrey Holt, Corin Robinson, you know, guys like that, Jericho Cotri, guys that played in the NFL, high-round draft picks for NC State, and then guys uh, that have come in and played as an opponent against State there in Carter-Finley. So, yeah, I mean, the, the numbers speak for themselves, uh, the record's there, and uh, that should be something he'll be very proud of, especially if it stands up for a period of time. Joining us on the program, Johnny Evans. He is part of the NC State Wolfpack Radio Network. So, Making the trip finally to Huntington, at least NC State, is is this your v- first visit to Huntington, or have you been through before? Yeah, I've been through uh, one, one other time, I think. Uh, I can't remember the year that uh, that we played, but, uh, you know, it's always uh, always good to, to uh, come to come to West Virginia, uh, good salt-of-the-earth people, and, uh, you know, uh, all, it seems like there's always a, a lot of a lot of mutual respect and, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking for kind of like one of those old-school kind of hard-fault games, honestly. I'm, that's, what, uh, that's what I'm predicting. Well, these guys haven't played football in two weeks, so I'm sure um, there's going to be a lot of just hard-hitting just because it's pent up. Uh, I don't think it's going to get nasty, but it definitely you're right. I think it's going to be just a physical, strong, fun contest because – I don't like. I don't like this. Two weeks off. I mean, Marshall's got another bye week later on in the year. I, I don't like this. Play football. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. And again, circumstances beyond control. Uh, coaches more than anybody preach to these student athletes: control the things that you can, and just forget about the things that you can't control. And, and clearly, weather is one of the things you cannot control. And then scheduled open date or something you cannot control. And so this is this is a learning experience, it's a discipline, it's a it's a it's an opportunity for these young man young men on both of the programs to say, hey look, we we can't control either one of those things. Let's just play. And we get an opportunity to do that this Saturday on television and uh, and uh, it should be a it should be a fun time. Well, Johnny, safe travels as you head up to Huntington. Uh, we're looking forward to this one. We'll see you on Saturday, and uh, let's hope we get a great game for both fan bases. Sounds great, Paul. Good to talk to you. Thank you, sir. That is Johnny Evans. He is an analyst for the NC State Wolfpack Radio Network, and so he'll be in Huntington this weekend for the game between Marshall and NC State. We'll have that game for you right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We've got Mitch Jacobs on the other side of the break. Marshall's volleyball coach has a big one coming up tomorrow against Charlotte, 6 p.m. at the Cam Anderson Center. We'll tell you more about it here on The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan, 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're presented by Beltone Hearing Aid Center. Welcome back to The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I want to welcome to the program now the head coach of the Marshall Volleyball team, Mitch Jacobs, coming up tomorrow at the Cam Anderson Center. Charlotte comes into the not-so-friendly confines of the Henderson Center. 6 p.m. start time, and Coach Jacobs now joins us. And uh, This is a big one. They're all big ones. Next game is always big, but uh, you're opening up conference play. You're 7-7 overall, feeling pretty good about how you've performed at home. You're undefeated there. So this is really an important start to the conference season for you. It is, Paul. I mean, you know, it's always exciting when we get going here, man. I appreciate you having us on and um, it is a uh, it's our it's our uh, child cancer our, our pediatric cancer awareness night. So it's uh, you know go for the gold. So anybody wearing gold tomorrow, I believe, or uh, donating to the pediatric cancer fund when they come in, I think uh, I think that has some type of uh, discount for admission. I can't be sure. I haven't I haven't seen all the promos, but um, yeah, Charlotte's kind of turned into our rival. You know, we uh, we only played two teams in our league twice ever since, and ever since they've gone to that format, we've played Charlotte twice every time. So it's uh, they've been you know they've won the last couple down there, we've won the last couple at home. So it's turned into a real rivalry. It's fun to have that though. Uh, something that um, the fans can get into a little bit more. The players. I know you take everyone uh, the same. You know, you're not putting more emphasis on one over the other, but this is something really nice for the fans, though, to get after Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, it, and it's, you know, when you play somebody and you see them more often, then it, it gets within the players, too. You know, I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, they beat us in a really good four set match at their place last year, and then they came back to our place, and uh, we played outstanding. And they were down a little bit. They were they didn't play as, as well as they did at their place. And um, I know their coach wants to get after it and, and wants to come into our place and knock us off. And she's getting us at a good time. We're a little banged up. Got a couple couple outside hitters that that are real banged up. We're hoping to get one of them back for the match tomorrow night. But we'll see where we're at. You know, those those two on the outside have kind of let us all season and kill. So. We're going to have to try to find our offense in different places. And I think uh, Shelby Conley and Ivana Trincheva, I think they're both looking to really uh, make a difference for us. Marshall Volleyball Coach Mitch Jacobs joins us on the program. And you got to be pretty proud of a couple of players on your squad. Well, you're proud of them all. But uh, let's talk about Junior Amber Weber, named Defensive Player of the Week. So that's got to be really special for her. Well, Amber's been just incredible. Um, defensively, we knew we had to make a big deal for our team on the defensive side of the ball. We're not, we're not say, uh, as balanced offensively across the board as we've been in some other years. Uh, but what makes this team and the possibility of this team being great is on the defensive side of the ball. And Amber, just was, she's just been getting better every match, reading hitters, learning, learning it. And sometimes you know, what we call the five zone is basically everything behind the 10-foot line and, you know, kind of in the back right of the court if you're looking at it through the net or the back left of the court if you're looking at it from the baseline. Call that the, the five zone. And, and, I mean, I, you know, just been quoted, I think, you know, too many times already saying, I think the five zone disappeared again tonight. Because, I mean, I, I think teams are going to really have to start making adjustments. Last weekend we played three teams that kept going after the five zone and, and Amber put up 35, 31, and 25. And, you know, over eight, 
eight uh, eight digs of set is is not good. It's beyond good. It's it's uh, I mean it's all American good. So that's uh, those are numbers that you know I think the best in the country have around six. I think at Hunter's Stevens about five point eight, somewhere five point seven, somewhere in this. So you can see how much better she just keeps getting in that position and. That's kind of like she wears the libero jersey. Kind of, you know, she's the quarterback of the back line. She takes control, and maybe one of the most competitive people I've ever coached. You also get a freshman of the week honoree in Gabrielle Coulter. So, again, um, yeah, Gabby's good. Yeah, Gabby's good, man. Gabby's a good freshman quarterback for us. You know, she's uh, we get her the ball, and she can really do a lot with it. You know, what makes Gabby really special is when, when we're not passing well, she can really go get it and give our hitters a ball that they can swing at. So, I mean, when we're uh, – we've looked pretty good. When we're, when we're healthy, and it's hard to stay healthy when you've got to play so many matches in the first four weeks of the season. But it's uh, – when we're the, – the matches we've been healthy, we've, we've looked pretty good. You know, Ohio, Moorhead, um, you know, Georgia Tech matches that where we were able to put our, say, you know – six that have kind of gelled the best together more often together on the court. Um, you know, it's, it's really coming together. I just, we just got to find a way to get healthy here and uh, get enough W's, you know, getting in through the season and, and get into that tournament healthy. That's going to be the biggest part. Well, you get Charlotte tomorrow, 6 p.m., Cam Henderson Center. It's the night before football, so there should be a lot of people in town. All they have to do is come to the Cam Henderson Center and come support you, and your Friday night is complete. I mean, that, that that's a recipe for success, right? We, we'd love we'd love to have a little rowdy crowd, man, uh, you know, taking Charlotte out of their game, making a little tough on them, uh, get all in behind the bench. I know that it's a, a TV, you know, it's a television broadcast or something. So, um, you know, I'm just hoping, hoping we can get that going, you know. We've got to get those crowds, the last crowd. We played Ohio, made some made some noise. When we played Moorhead, it was crazy noise, and uh, you know we just got to keep keep building the momentum. You can't enjoy the football game on Saturday. You got to you got to hit the plane. You know we're trying to. Uh, you know we we've looked at our schedule, and it, isn't it seven o'clock kickoff? Yeah, yeah, that's great because we just we've looked at our schedule. We're, we've got our practice at yeah. We've got to fly down to Miami. Our conference has us at home on Friday and away on. Friday, that's, I mean, on Sunday, you know, why, why should you enjoy a full weekend at home? Um, but we go down to Miami, we've got practice at 5.30 to 6.30, we have, or 5 to 6, our dinner's at 6.30, and I think we're planning on putting a big screen and uh, go to go with a projector and a big screen and uh, put it on, put on, it's on ESPNU or something, isn't it, right? Something, CBS uh, Sports. Big broadcast. CBS Sports. CBS Sports. Yes. Excellent. Didn't mean to pump the wrong place, but, uh, you know, we'll be able to get that off the. Uh, we'll be able to get that off the computer. We're going to put it up on a big screen so the team can get together, man. And you know, we can we can all have a good evening watching our our herd uh, knock off NC State. Um, you can't say it. I will. Uh, sometimes the scheduling in Conference USA is dumb, but I can say it. You can't. Don't don't. You don't have to respond. Don't get in trouble. <laughs> it's dumb. It's, it's you know it is what it is to play. You know, to play FIU and FAU on the road like we did last year and have them both at different times and have to fly to Florida two different times. Uh, I think we paired with Western Kentucky one time, and it was kind of like this the other time. I think we played at FIU and had to fly home and play somebody at Sunday at our place. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's no – and part of that's more of the numbers. 
don't have a 14 team, so you can't pair everybody up perfectly. Uh, so it's not really the league's fault in every aspect on that because you really you can't make it perfect because you know until Old Dominion fields a team, which I think they are in 20, then uh, we'll, we'll all have travel partners, and then they'll be able to make sure you're either on the road or home. At least that's what they're telling us. So I, I like to hear it. I hope but, so. Um, I hope so because you deserve well, that. For the kids. You deserve that. Well, I mean, for you, the kids. yeah, the league needs to make sure that travel is fair. And makes sense for every team in this league. I don't care if you are spread yeah, across the country. Right. It's just hard to do. It's just hard to do. And I understand that. We all get that. Everybody on our schedule has somewhere along the line where they can go. This doesn't make sense. But it's really until we get that scenario where, you know, you've got partners, you know, with that odd number, there's just nothing you can do unless, you know, you're going to rotate it through where you got one out. But then you don't have the equal numbers. It's not like we can play 20. 20-something conference games. So, you, you know, until we get the, you know, 14, you know, you know what I'm saying? Until we got seven, seven on each side or however they're going to do it, um, it's really hard to figure that out. When you had 12, you were able to play everybody on your side once, everybody on the other, or everybody on your side twice, everybody on the other side once. You got 16 games, and it's a really easy schedule. But as soon as you added the, the teams, leagues bigger, leagues stronger, but now, you know, the league's got more challenges. And that's, you know, it's above my my pay grade figuring out how how it makes sense for everybody. That's that's why so I said gotta, that, that's why I said I can say it. You can't because uh, I think they can do better, and hopefully they will. I, honestly, I do hope I they do better you. because it, this is more of a, this is more of a travel student athlete issue for me than the fact that uh, you're going to go play FIU and not play FAU. It's more like why not just you're there. That makes sense. That travel trip makes sense. I mean, it's not as if um, FAU and FIU are separated by hundreds of miles. No, agreed. And, and, you know, until, you know, I think everybody who comes to play us should probably either play Western Kentucky or Charlotte. But, you know, that doesn't happen for them either. They, and Huntington's not an easy travel. So, you know, and then, and then there's the idea of, you know, at least with this one, we're, we're in classes on Thursday. You know, we're, we're in classes Thursday. We're going to be in classes tomorrow through, through like, 1.30, and then the team will be having its pre, you know, pre-games and all that, and then we'll play at 6. But it's, it's more when you've got this split like this and you, you're leaving on a Thursday, and then all of a sudden you got to get back on a Saturday to play home on a Sunday to team anyway twice. You know what I mean? You're, you're like the, the road team. The road team is playing. You know, they're going, to get, they, they're going to get home before you sometimes. They're going to get here before you can get back. So that's, those are tough ones because you're missing classes and then you're still in a split weekend and getting a home game. So at least we've got the Friday home match. That, that, that to me on the, on the split weekends makes a lot more sense. So this one makes more sense than you know what I'm saying. Yes, sir, I do. And it's important that everyone come out and support the Thundering Herd tomorrow. It's Charlotte. It's 6 p.m. Cam Henderson Center. And – Come home uh, after that FIU trip with uh, a win, and then uh, we'll talk about the road trip next week. I hope and I appreciate it. Yep, we got two on the road the following week. So, all right, well, you guys have a great week. I know you guys got a big show tomorrow night that you got to take care of, and I uh, hope everything goes well. Thanks, sir. That's Mitch Jacobs. That's Marshall's volleyball coach. Big match tomorrow. Charlotte, 6 p.m., Cam Henderson Center. We're going to take our final break, come back, and we're going to wrap this up and get you set for Inside Herd Athletics with Marshall University Athletic Director Mike Hamrick next here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
That's going to do it for this edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center. Don't forget, coming up next, it's going to be Inside Herd Athletics with Marshall University Athletic Director Mike Hammer. Mike Kerner is going to be your host, and this is your opportunity to call the athletic director and find out, well, the answer to all those questions you have been asking him and can only post on Twitter or Facebook. This is your opportunity, so take advantage of it. For our producer, Gabriel Seller, who is celebrating his 20th birthday. Happy birthday to him. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for joining me on The Drive, presented by Belltone Hearing Aid Center right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Huntington Sports Station.